Welcome to the Real Estate Mindset Podcast, hosted by Eric Nelson and brought to you by Wild Oak Capital. Eric is a real estate investor, business owner, and performance coach. Throughout this series, Eric explores the mindset behind why certain investors are so successful and how we can learn from their achievements and failures. Eric asks the tough questions around the habits, discipline, mindset, and more required to achieve the most ambitious goals. Thank you for being here and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Real Estate Mindset Podcast. I'm your guest, John Weaver, partner of Wild Oak Capital. I'm sitting in today for Eric Nelson, our full-time host. Today on the show, we're excited to have on Matt Bronner. Matt is based in Minnesota, is the co-founder and principal of Endurance Capital, which has acquired over 4,000 units of multi-property assets valued over $400 million. Matt is also the founder of Minnesota Capital Management, focused on real estate acquisitions and property management. In addition, Matt has served as a mentor in the past and has had a passion for teaching others how to become successful multifamily syndicators. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. That's a humbling introduction. <laughs> well, uh, you got big shoes to fill, so we appreciate you taking time out of your uh, calendar to uh, connect. You know, you and I actually have a common thread. I personally invested in mentorship when I got into the business about three and a half years ago, and uh, I took on you know a coaching program. And one of your business partners, Drew Whitson, was actually my mentor and helped me close my first multifamily deal. So definitely That's see awesome. the value in, in coaching and mentorship, whether it's paid or personal or whatever the case may be. So um, we do share that common thread. I think the world of Drew, I consider him a personal friend. Uh, he may not have known that he's done so, but has been a personal and professional mentor of mine, just seeing the way he goes about his day. So certainly feel very honored to be his business partner and glad that uh, we've got some good people in common. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'd love to uh, get the audience acquainted with your background and like, how did you find yourself getting into real estate investing? I would love to tell you that I was so smart that I plotted out all of the risk-adjusted returns and had some in-depth analysis on why multifamily investing is going to be the best way to pursue financial freedom for myself and my family, but that's not true. I'm a biology pre-med major who worked at a nonprofit, started buying townhomes while I was working at Target over a period of like nine months. I worked at Target's corporate office here in the Twin Cities and honestly just knew that real estate was good. Didn't have any analysis to back that up, but started buying townhomes with a simple thought saying, well, if I lose this money, I don't have anyone else depending on me to eat. I feel employable. I will figure this out. And what I didn't know at the time was how much of a blessing it would be to be in at the ground floor. I've done just about every job you can do in real estate. I have painted, I have fixed toilets, I have done showings, I have built financials, I have gone out to source equity, I have served as a sponsor, key principal, and I believe it's the culmination of those experiences that, that have blessed me with the success that I've been fortunate enough to enjoy. Yeah, I think that's the story for so many folks, right? They just kind of end up stumbling into it and having to learn to evolve, learn the business kind of on the fly, right? It's great to prepare and educate ourselves, right? But I found for myself personally, I mean, there's a lot of things that I can't learn, you know, reading an article or listening to a podcast, right? Sometimes you just need to roll up your sleeves and and dive in and it's amazing how much you can kind of learn on the fly, right? 
there is no substitute for learning by doing in terms of the intricacies, right? So we can talk about that as it pertains to PLs for multifamily properties, but also just given an appreciation for the risk. And I think that's especially timely. You know, over the last two to three years, there's been this belief that values will do nothing but go up. Interest rates can't go up. Well, history is one damn unprecedented event after another. And so we have to be prepared for the unexpected. And it's only, I believe, doing what you invest in and being involved in that at intimate levels that prepares you. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I think that's a great segue. That was actually one of the topics I'd like to cover with interest rates over the last year rising. We've seen a shift in the economy. As of late, we're recording this in on March 24, 2023. We've seen some instability in the banking sector. So how are you all approaching your business when it comes to deal sourcing and deal criteria? Has any of that shifted over the last year with sort of a, a lot of changes that we've seen out in the economy? It has. And I'm having conversations today that I never dreamed that I would have a year ago. I was talking with my partners this morning to say, you know, do we feel comfortable with our deposit relationship at this bank? That that just was never a question that entered my mind 12 months ago. And yet here we are. And so I believe this is an encouragement for those of us who are on the active side. Why Passive investors are always betting on the jockey, not the horse, right? Because it is your ability to navigate what's unexpected that drives value for your investors. That being said, in terms of how we look at investment opportunities, we are still very bullish on multifamily. I think rising interest rates only underscore the opportunity that exists with hard assets, the fact that I have a hedge against inflation, and multifamily is not immune to inflation, but our expenses do tend to lag and we have opportunities to reset leases on an annual basis to go and capture additional income there. And so all of that, I think, makes it unique where we have a time-tested business here. In terms of how we've started looking at properties differently, we've really done the whole spectrum. I I got into this business owning and operating a lot of C-class assets. And I always want to be quick to say, when we talk about these, we're not talking about people's character. We're just talking about these assets and renter by necessity classes. Certainly people who've made money out there. My personal experience is that that particular resident base is the base that is most susceptible to recessions that come in the economy. Unfortunately, recessions don't impact everyone equally. And it is those individuals that have the least amount of margin financially in their life to weather changes, whether that be inflation, whether that be the loss of a job or responding to the health needs of a loved one. And so we are trying to pivot our portfolio and the new acquisitions that we do look at are almost exclusively, think of it as like 1990 and newer, honestly, 2000 vintage uh, and newer is what's most important to us. And that gets into a lot of the basics of the product, how they operate. I've done a a lot of stab lock breakers, cast iron piping, and I can only tell you that they're expensive. And that's, that's what I've learned throughout that process. And so we see greatest opportunity shifting into newer assets in the most well-to-do sub-markets, because as you do watch recessions happen, it is those sub-markets, think B plus and better, that see the least expansion in cap rates. And so we believe that is the greatest hedge for our capital and for our investors' capital. Further, and you can get stuck on, obviously, those assets are going to trade for a higher dollar per unit than 
maybe a, a C-class asset, an older asset there, but there are some savings that you can find and some opportunities that you can find as you look into this business. Specifically, newer assets, obviously, you're going to save on your repair and maintenance. You're going to find that they are generally cheaper to insure. And we still are looking for value-add opportunities. Value-add, we can go further into this, doesn't have to mean large construction. But if I do find these types of assets where they're trading on a reduced uh, cap rate basis, executing a value-add on those assets is going to produce a greater return than it will on another asset, right? If I can increase revenue on an asset that's going to trade at a five cap, well, that, that's going to have a more meaningful impact to the value of my asset than if I increase revenue by the same amount on an asset that's going to trade at a six cap there. And, and so therein lies kind of our investment thesis right now. Yeah, a lot of great points in there to unpack. I mean, to me, what stood out is as an active operator, right? It's first and foremost, it's our responsibility to protect capital. And as operators, we need to understand where we at in the cycle and what's going on. You know, what are the economic factors that are out there? And so you kind of laid out, you know, how important it is as an active operator. You really need to have the uh, awareness of where you're at and operate accordingly, right? And make any adjustments to the business plan or the strategy moving forward again to yes, give uh, returns to your investors, but first and foremost, right, protect the capital that they're investing with you. I tell people that there are two rules in this business. One, don't go to jail. So make sure you abide by the rules of the SEC. And two, don't lose money. And again, we've come out of a period of time where there were just these nonsensical beliefs about real estate where, hey, there, it's going to do nothing but go up. You can buy a property and not execute a business plan, not improve the net rental income, and you're still going to be able to sell it for a profit in 18 to 24 months. And unfortunately, there's a lot of hard lessons being learned out there that real estate, even though it's a business that I believe very strongly in, it is a business. Business is tough. Business, it's, it requires me to have a strategy to, to maximize revenue and minimize expenses. And that is a very active role for those of us who do this day to day. No doubt. No doubt. Well said. Uh, Matt, I'd love to talk about, you know, property management. Obviously, you all you have some in-house management currently with with your business. And so, you know, as an active operator ourselves, you know, we've had home run property managers and we've had, you know, issues in the past that can really impact how well a deal is running. So I'd love to hear some of the pros and cons from your perspective of taking property management on in-house and how you've seen that play out throughout your business. Sure. And it's something that we've really come full cycle on. So starting out managing townhomes, then managing scattered sites, having property managers over multiple properties, not having a centralized staff, trying to find maintenance that could drive all the way across the city. Incredibly difficult. That tenant base is very tough to serve at times who are going to live there. And it's very tough to learn what the property needs. And so we have relied heavily on third-party managers as we, as we have invested out of state. And there's great benefit there. Third-party managers can be phenomenal sources of truth for you in terms of being able to evaluate the effectiveness of a business plan. Third-party managers are going to generally be better at having their hands into the talent pool. There's nothing more important in a manager than their ability to find staffing. Our asset manager has a quote that I'm going to steal from him where he'll say, every apartment has four walls and a door. It's the staff that people come and join or the staff 
that people leave. And so your ability to hire and train really good staff members is central to your ability to be successful. And if a third-party manager has their arms into a market where they can identify those folks, that is where they can drive value. Now, I won't necessarily go into specifics in terms of the companies that I've learned this from, but along the way, we we have been burned by some third-party managers as well. I've had to learn some very basic lessons the hard way that no one is going to care about my capital, my investor's capital. No one's going to care about my property or my investor's property as much as the owner's will. And so we continue to evaluate what we can bring on in-house here because not necessarily, hey, we want to grab additional revenue, but we think there is a, a need to protect our assets by centralizing all operations under our company here. And so I'm sharing things that are just kind of in the formative stages for us, but it can be helpful to scale with third-party management. But I always have to tell people, you got to remember, they don't own that property. You do. And no one is ever going to appreciate it as much as you can and will. Well said. We've uh, we've experienced that for ourselves already. And we're about seven deals in and we've had that same experience. So as an up-and-coming investor or a new syndicator, right, if they're going to utilize third party, they're going into a new market and they're starting to vet different property managers to figure out, you know, who they want their boots on the ground to be for that market. What advice would you give to those people in terms of questions to ask? You mentioned the staffing and, and the importance of having the right people, you know, at the property. Is there anything else you would recommend for someone looking to hire that third party and, and the best way to uh, vet them and then engage with them from that point on? So first, you want to ensure that your third party manager has operations in that market. It's very dangerous to go into a new market for that property manager and to be that guinea pig. You want to make sure that that property manager understands the property, that that property manager understands the business plan. It's incredibly helpful if that property manager has success stories that they can point to with that specific business plan. Hey, I I know what to do to minimize costs here. I know how to service this type of loan. I know how to go out and execute this type of value add strategy and and that they know the contractors to utilize there, that they can identify effective partners for you. They're really going to be the point guard. We're saying this during March Madness for your team in that regard. Beyond that, you want to be able to evaluate their systems. We like to say a lot that we believe in process over personality. So you can find people who may be charismatic and effective in their role, but you always want to understand what's behind them, right? Being able to see and evaluate written processes for how property managers will go about every aspect of your business plan and who's going to be uh, working behind uh, each of the people that are on site. You know, who's the regional that they report to? What does the accounting infrastructure look like. Uh, property management is really three things. It's it's construction, it's HR, and it's accounting. And being able to get accurate and timely financials to your lender is incredibly important. So does that accounting staff have the ability to produce the sophisticated financials that your lender and your investors are going to want? Asking for examples of all of the above is incredibly, incredibly important. Absolutely. For ourselves, again, we've we've vetted many, many different property managers at this point. And, you know, you can get a feel, you ask the questions, you ask for examples to your point. 
Uh, but we found you, you never really know until rubber hits the road, right? And you get property under management and you see how that property is going to perform. And at the end of the day, right, from our perspective, the operator really needs to be the one managing the manager and set clear KPIs and metrics and, and make sure that property management and ownership is aligned to go in the same direction. Especially if you're investing out of state, you have to be there. All right, we're going to go walk the units you told me are rent ready. This is rent ready. This is not rent ready. There's going to be no substitute for that. I, I used to hope that, okay, I, I can set examples. I can I can build out processes early on that won't require me to be there as often. I've just simply found that more gets done ahead of the owner coming to town than at any other point in time. And so my response has been, well, I need to have boots on the ground there even more often out of respect for first and foremost, my investor's capital, and then the needs of the project. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Matt, the goal of this show is to deconstruct a lot of the you know success habits and mindset of successful real estate investors. So I love to change gears here and focus on that. You've been a mentor in the past to many different people, and I'm sure you've you know come across all walks of life in terms of personality types. For you, from your perspective, what have you seen differentiate those who are successful in their goals as you know becoming a successful? multifamily syndicator versus those who just kind of get stuck or never quite get there or, you know, paralysis analysis. What do you see those differences to be from your experience? Being an entrepreneur is an incredibly scary thing and you have to be willing to step out and take risks and you have to be willing to do, right? There is no limit. And I'm going to say this as you should absolutely listen to the Wild Oak Capital podcast, but there's no limit to the amount of podcasts you could listen to out there. There's no limit to the amount of books. And I find people who will will just continually want to go and consume, right? Uh, Now, don't misunderstand me. Listen to Wild Oak Capital. uh, And then you should also have... uh, key vehicles that are going to continue to inform uh, your view of the industry, but you are going to learn more by going out and putting your foot in the in your mouth with speaking to a broker. Uh, you're going to learn more than going to a property, having never perhaps known anything about construction, but walking through some renovations that may be taking place. There, there has to be a, a willingness to learn by doing in order to be successful in this business. Now, trying to get ahead of anyone who might be listening and and say, you you know, you've just talked about, you know, being calculated and protecting capital. And that's all true. There there is a fine line here of, hey, I have to make sure I'm informed and I have to make sure that I am respecting my fiduciary responsibilities. But it it is is very easy to just continue to consume and consume and consume. And you have to be willing to, to go out and do. That is where you will learn the most. And it's where I'm so grateful that my partners have trusted in me, even from when I was first just taking calls from tenants who lived in all of our single family homes and was able to learn the business from the bottom up there. It is people who have that hunger, that humility, and frankly, that that courage to step out that I, I think makes them successful. Yeah. When I first got in, I definitely suffered from that wanting to gather every scenario or all the information that I could. Right. And uh, luckily I've had, you know, mentor like Drew, who we talked about, my business partners, they've really encouraged me more to just get out there and start doing and we'll figure it out along the way. Yes, to your point, you know, educate yourself, know the basics, but you're going to pick up a lot of those nuances that you're not going to find in a podcast or or a book or that type of thing. Amen. 
<laughs> With that said, you know, in terms of information that you would recommend, are there any books either business related or personal when it comes to mindset or real estate or just anything in general that you have found helpful for yourself, you know, personally or professionally? One that's especially timely is The Psychology of Money. And that was actually recommended to me by Drew Whitson. And I, I think it's timely in that they walk through how bad humans are at predicting the future. In fact, I stole a line from the book without giving uh, proper credit earlier. History is one damn unprecedented event after another. The Fed can never raise rates as fast as they just did until they did, right? COVID can never happen until it does. And there's historical precedent for the unexpected happening there. And so as we look to build out business plans, any plan that is highly dependent on specific variables all hitting exact points is inherently risky. And it's as you evaluate investment opportunities, you need to look at trend lines and margin. That, that's really what we buy, right? If I was to try to re-answer your question on, on why I like the properties that I do right now, it's because I believe that I buy trend lines. I, I don't buy specific projects. And I, and I believe I have the greatest margin uh, and they're the best trend lines to support the assets that I discussed there because then inevitably when the unexpected does happen, I'm well-equipped to respond to it. So if you haven't read it, Psychology of Money is a good one. It's on the list now. Thank you for that. In terms of morning routines, do you personally adopt any sort of morning routine or has that evolved throughout your years, You know, first starting out to now with a family and kids and, and all that? It has. And I, I try to get better every day. We and our family have a slogan of let's start bad and then let's get better, but let's start somewhere. I can't talk about this without without talking about my faith. I, I believe in the gospel of, of first fruits. So I, I think what you do first in the morning is really, really important. I think God cares about what we do first. And so for me, and that has meant being active and engaging in, in strenuous exercise in the morning. I find it is what prepares my mind for the day as a husband, as a father, and as a businessman. And then it's time with scripture there. I, I want that to be the first place that I go to drink from knowledge for the day in terms of what's going to equip me for what's coming later on there. And then I've tried to get better at finding specific points in my day or really the end of the day where I'm like, no, the day ends here. How do I make sure that I'm, I'm investing in myself so that I can respond to what's coming? That means, hey, I, I have a specific time that I go to bed every night. My body needs seven hours of rest. I need the right foods. I need to take care of myself so that I can function at a high level. And like a lot of things, I've learned those the hard way. I've, I've run myself too thin in the past and suffered the consequences both to my health. I'm, I'm fine now, but you know, suffer the consequences to my health and, and my relationships. And I think it's important that people keep those in mind as they put together a, a vision for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I resonate with that. You know, like yourself, for me, you know, I absolutely make a priority of, you know, cultivating my physical, spiritual, psych psychological health at the beginning of each day, right? Because we're, we all lead busy lives, traveling, work, kids, uh, partners, et cetera. And, you know, without making time for that at the beginning of the day, right? I mean, there's, there, 
you, people can easily make excuses at the end of the day and say, I just don't have time to go to the gym or spend time with my family or where, whatever the case may be. Right. So to your point, I think it's absolutely essential. And for myself, I found it really beneficial. Make that a priority to start the day and the rest of the day will be beautiful. It'll be, be a great experience. Absolutely. Well, great, Matt. I really appreciate you coming on the call. Please let the audience know where they can find you if, uh, if they can connect and what's the best way to do that. So the best way is to go to our website, EnduristCapital.com, E-N-D-U-R-U-S, EnduristCapital.com. Very good. Thank you so much, Matt. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, John. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Mindset Podcast. If you've enjoyed the content today, please follow this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to head over to wildoakcapital.com for more information or to connect with Eric directly. Please take a moment to leave a review or tell a friend about what you've listened to today. We hope you'll tune in again soon.